driving by them, they're all just behind a tree. <laughs> That'd be great. That was a big old yawn. It was a big yawn, sorry. <laughs> I did do it while you were talking so you could get it out. I know. I appreciate that. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who probably don't know what you're talking about. Yay! Why do I not know what I'm talking about? You're talking Danielle? about what we're talking about? Oh, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, we got that kind of energy going to the show. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm talking about either. That was a correct sentence. Yes, that's true. And I don't know what I'm talking about either, so I guess it works out. We're both going in blind. No. Uh, what we're talking about today, Danielle, I thought I'd be kind and give you a break from the science fiction space opera of Hyperion and instead share with you the 1981 film Heartbeeps. Heartbeeps? Heartbeeps. Okay. What, is it animated? <laughs> Shockingly, no. <laughs> really? With a yes. name like that, I really thought it would be. <laughs> Uh, let me send you the description, Danielle, and then we'll talk about this movie a little bit before I get into it, because it, it needs an explanation. Okay. All right. It says, Val and Aqua are two household servant robots. I knew they were robots. who start feeling emotions <laughs> for each other. Isn't this just that other plot? <laughs> That's why I chose to keep going. After falling in love, they decide to escape from their servitude and attempt to start a family of their own. This is basically just the plot of that other... Romeo and Juliet. Juliet Julie and... Yeah. <laughs> how are they going to start a family? Can they give birth? Do they Danielle, collect other Danielle. robots? Oh, you're getting way ahead of this movie. We're going to get into <laughs> all of that. <laughs> and it's not animated? No. That's amazing. How do they do the robots? Danielle, like, we're going to get into all of this. I promise okay, you. You're getting fine. way ahead of yourself. We haven't even started the plot yet. <laughs> but yes, I thought I'd save you from the science fiction weirdness of Hyperion and bring you this science fiction weirdness from the 80s. Yeah, I haven't helped we stray from the science fiction. Look, I want to make sure that we didn't get too far away from because we're getting right back to Hyperion next time. And boy, I didn't want you to go like cold turkey and then get shocked when you go back into it. Well, not next time, next time, but after me next time. Right. My next presentation will be Hyperion. Or I guess I should say the fall of Hyperion. So tune in, folks. That's a little teaser. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. I, I knew if you would just keep going unless I, I jumped in. <laughs> I do just keep making random noises. So yes, Heart Beeps is the anti-81 film, science fiction rom-com about two robots. First off, the cast in this movie is bonkers. I will uh -huh. introduce them as they come. But first off, the leads who play Aqua and Val, are Bernadette Peters and Andy Kaufman. Wow, that's quite the combination. <laughs> I know! <laughs> Amazing! Can't believe this movie wasn't more renowned. <laughs> oh, boy. It, w it was made on a $12 million budget. Huge wow. budget. And it made $2 million in the box office. So, complete flop. <laughs> that's so sad. I know. Like, I'm not saying this is a good movie, and after watching it, I still don't think it's a good movie, but I also think, like, it's a really, like, interesting movie in the sense of, like, there are a lot of ideas in this movie that, while they don't work as a whole, like, there was something here, I think, that people really, were like, had an artistic vision, and it didn't work out, but I appreciate that. 
Well, get to it. All right. So we open on a forest. A robot that kind of looks like a fat Dalek, like a hexagonal pyramid on tank treads, Uh is driving quickly through the forest. It has a flashing light on its head, and it's screaming to absolutely no one since it's alone in a forest. My name is Crime Buster 00719. I'm a cop. My crime-fighting computer contains one million microchips, which I guess was a lot for the 1991. (laughs) Thousands of circuits. And a couple of crossed wires. And then there's a close-up of a sparking and smoking circuit board. So already, we are off to the races. Apparently. He insists that he's the deluxe model, and that he draws his pay and does his job. So are, like, robots paid and independent in this universe? That seems to suggest it is. Yeah, although I know for a fact they are just slaves. Based (laughs) on the... So I have no idea what, what he's talking about. Are they paid (laughs) sleep? Is it like indentured servitude? Well, maybe they're paying the company that leases them out. I don't know, Danielle. (laughs) He doesn't draw his pay then. Anyway, it makes no sense. The crime buster is just a comedic relief that says random cop nonsense throughout the movie. Is it programmed to say these things or is it just like short circuiting? I don't know, Danielle. Like, there, I have so many questions about, like, how do they build and program these robots? Like, because it like, seems like weird things to say out loud to anybody yeah, ever. Like, who would program a robot with these lines? Like, maybe this is some kind of content of, like, you know, today we're dealing with machine learning and neural nets, which, you know, we don't quite know how they work and they can generate outputs from inputs and they're so complicated. No one really, like, knows every path they have. But on the other hand, this seems excessive. They really went out of the way to make this robot sound like a tough, hard-boiled cop for no reason and to yell in forests, which I don't get. There's no reason why this robot's in a forest? Not that I'm aware of at this point. It's just (laughs) driving to the forest yelling about how it's a crime buster. (laughs) But later? Later they explain why? Uh, There is context later. It does not help the beginning of this movie. Or tragedy. Continue. Again, I don't know if this takes place later in the movie. If this is like a flash forward and we're going to flash back when the movie actually starts or what. The timeline in this movie is insane. So anyway, after he's yelling, he then extends a, like, smell probe down to the ground and, like, sniffs like he's a, like a bloodhound tracking something. What does and the smell probe look like? It's like, uh, it extends like an antenna and it has, like, a, a rectangle on the end of it that he sniffs through. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he smells the skunk and goes, blech! And it's all grossed out. And then he sees a tree stump. And a bunch of guns pop out of it. He tells the stump to advance slowly, which is not something you would tell a criminal to advance slowly. A but bunch of the does. guns pop out of the tree trunk or the robot? No, out of the robot. Okay. Robot's <laughs> like not clear in your sentence. <laughs> Sorry. No, the tree stump is not threatening the crime buster. The crime buster is <laughs> okay, I don't know what's stump. going on in this forest. <laughs> it's fair. Like, if that happened, it would not be the most insane thing to happen in this movie. The stump, surprisingly, does not move until he blows it up and trundles off. We cut to the Universal Studios logo as Synthiadia Music plays. Now, at the end of this movie, I had the thought that, you know, there's a lot of things that were wrong with this movie, but the special effects were amazing and the music was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Danielle, do you know who scored this movie? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was the longest pause for a while I've ever heard I in my life. I was trying to think of a uh, movie composer. Any person who scores a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can come up with some. I just can't think of anybody who does synth the 80s. <laughs> Danielle, it's John freaking Williams. Is it? Really? Yeah. I almost guessed him, but that seemed too obvious. Like, it's like the answer would be him if you were asking me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's John Williams, Danielle. He scored heartbeeps. Ugh. I probably do that somewhere in my head. I don't think you did. Well, I don't know. I've, I've, done a, I've done a pretty deep dive into John Williams' work. <laughs> I'm sure you have, Danielle. 
But I sincerely doubt that that deep dive brought any of this to a place that you remember anything about this. Oh, I it's wouldn't insane. remember it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So it doesn't even matter. So John Williams scored this movie, and it's actually quite good, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's John Williams. But wow. Like, there was a lot, said, a lot of care and effort went into this movie, which is insane. That's so sad. What a sad ending to this full cast and scored movie. I know. It, they really thought this was going to do well. Yeah, they thought this was going to be like, I don't know, because this is like before Short Circuit, or I think this before Short Circuit or something like that, or I don't know what they were trying to think this was going to be, but they thought this was going to be like the biggest hit. The world wasn't ready for robots falling in love. Well, not this movie version of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the uh, Universal logo. We cut to some kind of factory. Humans and robots are working alongside each other. One group is transporting a metallic human-looking companion robot in a pinstripe suit. This is Val, played by Andy Kaufman. So he's in a pinstripe suit, his skin looks all metallic, and he has like this makeup prosthetic over his face, so it looks like it's made of metal, and it, like it's jointed. They do a really good job. Like the effects and the makeup in this movie is great. He's got like plastic hair. It's really very good. What do the robots look like that are working in the shop? Oh, it's like your standard kind of like, oh, it's a robot with a dustbin and, you know, like it looks like a giant trash can with wheels or something. They're not humanoid. So they look like dustbins. Do they look like the characters from Romeo 8, Ju- Romeo Romy 0, Juliet? <laughs> I mean, the two the humanoid crazy ones, ones <laughs> kind of do. Uh, the other ones look more like, you know, Jetson style of things, you might say, or like Star Wars or something. Perfect. Anyway... This robot was apparently hurt while waiting for reprogramming when some sanitation worker asked him to help lift something heavy that fell on his foot. And so they're bringing him back to the factory for repairs, I guess. Where was he working? He was at the factory waiting for reprogramming when someone else called him over to do something. Where was he? What was his job prior to that? He didn't have a job prior to that. He's like, we need to be sold or whatever. Okay. I and so there's like assumption. different levels of robots. There's like worker robots that look more like... So this is a robot factory. They make robots to sell and they also use some robots in their own factory for their own purposes. Right. But they have humanoid robots and they have like dustpan robots. They yeah, have they have different robots for different things. Okay. That's why he's a companion robot, which is very creepy. It is creepy. So they drop off the robot on a shelf and the two humans leave bickering about how they make this companion robot or compute is too complicated. Do you know who plays these two factory workers whose names I did not learn until the end of the movie? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth McMillan and Randy Quaid. I definitely would not have thought of that. I was going for it's like Cheech and Chong or something. (laughs) No, it's the youngest Randy Quaid and Kenneth McMillan. It's great. Is this like first roles for them or this is like... I don't know. I mean... They well known. (laughs) I don't know Randy Quaid's filmography. I don't think this is a first role. Like this is not a first roles movie because Bernadette Peters and Andy Kaufman. Right. Anyway, so the robot on the shelf looks around and sees a lady robot, Bernadette Peters. She looks she has gold skin and like a brass sponge for hair. So it's like curly but metallic. Uh-huh. He then looks forward again as the title comes up. Heart beeps. The camera zooms in on their eyes and Such the faces. A terrible name. I'm sorry. And- <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Great. Every time. Heart beeps. <laughs> it sounds like a, a soap opera like title. Yeah, but about robots. Oh, yeah, exactly. it would be finally be our story, Sam, where we think that every TV show actually has like animatrons yeah. in there. This is the actual one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, well, I know you would, Danielle. You live it. <laughs> so the camera zooms in on the robot's eyes and then face like it's really close, like creepily close, as longing synthy 80s music plays, which is just it's all too close to comfort, like getting into their faces. It's real weird. 
eventually the two robots share a glance as they watch a sunset through the large warehouse picture windows, which all warehouses have. Are they just like laying there? They're standing. They're just standing on a shelf. Oh, okay. Big shelves. Big shelves. They're big robots. So the female robot says, beautiful, isn't it? And they have this sort of clipped robotic way of talking. They always say like, you know, QT roll things. I will not be doing the dialogue verbatim because it's exhausting. Oh, come on, Sam. I will mostly be summarizing it, but I'll give you a taste. To which the male robot says... What was the purpose of that piece of communication? And she says, I am practicing social composition. And so that's how the dialogue goes. I will be mostly paraphrasing because this takes way too long and is too exhausting to do the robots verbatim. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Can Do robots normally just talk to each other when they're like hanging out? I don't know, Danielle. I've seen exactly two robots in this movie that I've talked to. (laughs) I think it's three. There's the one that's running around the forest yelling and there's these two guys. That's all I know. (laughs) I don't know what is normal for this universe. That seems very questionable to like have a room full of non-supposedly non-sentient beings that can just hang out and chat with each other. Again, these robots are given so much latitude, it's insane. <laughs> and so, uh, but I got to give Kaufman and Peters credit. They go all in. Like, they are putting, they're acting their hearts out in this of movie. Of course and they are. I would not expect anything less. <laughs> I know. But it's just so amazing that, like, they're saying the dumbest lines of dialogue, but they're doing it, like, with so much conviction. It's, it, they kind of make it endearing. <laughs> I mean, Bernadette Peters is always endearing. Oh, uh, yes, exactly right. So the female robot introduces herself as Aquacom, and she's there to be reconditioned for poolside parties. Uh, No, ew. (laughs) Yeah, so she's like, again, Danielle, uh, there are some very questionable aspects of this universe. I mean, that's true of every robot thing we've literally ever done. (laughs) Because you you know what they use robots for, if they become, like, weirdly sentient and humanoid. (laughs) Anytime a robot's humanoid, even now, we don't have sentient ones, but they're using it. But my point is, oofa, there are some real questions here about the sentience. Yeah. Uh, She says her comment was an example of charm, and the male robot, Valcom, is very Vulcan and all charm can't increase efficiency, and Aqua is all, we're companion robots, charm's a thing we need to interact with humans. Wouldn't they be made the same? Danielle, this, yes, you think they'd be programmed (laughs) with everything they need, they don't need to, like, I'm practicing, you don't need to practice charm if you're a robot, you can be programmed with charm. It's insane. This is very confusing. (laughs) Danielle, you think you're confused? I watched this movie. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why, like, sure, I guess sentience would be one thing, but why are you making specific robots for specific situations, but programming them with, like, a general purpose sentience instead of just giving them the program when they need? I don't know. It's all very convoluted. Yeah, you think they'd interact exactly the same? Yeah. So Val introduces himself as a valet with expertise of stocks and bonds. So I guess he's like a stock trading robot, which seems like he just uses a computer. You don't need a robot for that. <laughs> it's cooler. Sure. He then asks what he should say in return when she says it's very beautiful. And Aqua's all, you should say, I know what you mean. Can I get you a drink? To which <laughs> she would reply, oh, yes, I'll have a banana daiquiri. She's got, like, a whole imaginative thing going on in her head. She does this whole back and forth conversation, and then they just stand there in silence for what feels like minutes. Like, the camera just (laughs) lingers on them, standing there silently for the longest time. This movie is, like, 78 minutes, and most of that is just long shots of the robots not talking and just being in each other's presence. That's funny. Totally sidetracked. I watched a TV show yesterday that had an – I feel like I should share this because it is related. I watched a TV show yesterday that has an episode, and I realized about – Oh, I'd say 17 minutes into the episode that uh-huh. literally the entire time it's just been two characters staring at each other. And I mean this very seriously. There had been like maybe six or seven words and 17 minutes of staring. And I was like, wait, 
What's going on in this episode? Where is it going? Was this a K drama? Uh, no, well, it was. Uh huh. It was. I want to say it was Japanese. Okay, so, so it was an Asian drama. It was an Asian drama, yeah, but it was yeah, a particularly okay. like. I, I mean, I think American dramas could do that too. It's only like a twenty-five minute episode. I was like, jeez, <laughs> and literally nothing happens till the end. <laughs> Uh, this movie is a lot like that, only I don't think anything ever happens. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, well, sorry, we'll get to that. Tangent. Well, thank you for that digression, Danielle. You can cut it. It's fine. <laughs> I just wanted uh, to I, share I'll that. leave that in. I want everyone to hear that. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> no, it's there. It's, it's in. It's done. <laughs> so then eventually Val asks, what's next? And Aqua replies that they would engage in banter to make the male feel smart and virile. And then they just stare out the window again as a lightning storm breaks. Why are they teaching this robot sexist things? <laughs> Well, that's Aqua. I don't know. <laughs> like, again, it's supposed to be – this is a movie's a satire. It's supposed to be, like, making fun of, you know, male-female interactions and the idea of, like, romance movies and stuff like that. And they just make a little jokes. But also, like, it doesn't quite land. <laughs> <laughs> So as a lightning strike knocks out the power to the building and the robots, in fear, inch closer to each other and then hold hands for a minute before shuffling apart. Why are and they scared? That, that was, Why do they have emotions? <laughs> Why are they feeling fear? Who programmed that into these robots? I don't understand, Danielle. Why is a valet that's a stock trading robot or whatever is programmed to feel fear? I mean, I guess fear might be good, like, oh, I'm afraid the market's going to crash. But like, that does not, doesn't make any sense. Like, you don't need an emotion to, to program in risk or something. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. It, Danielle, none of this makes sense. They're just humans. They're just humans who talk like robots. That's the point <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> okay. All right, cut to the next day. Some workers are putting a crime buster robot. Is it the same one from the opening? I don't know. Probably, because we only see one. Uh, they're putting a crime buster robot through a firing range type of test, verifying that it's working. So Charlie and Max, who are the two factory workers played by Randy Quaid and Kath McMillan, who dropped off Val and Aqua, happen to be bringing their forklift golf cart thing through the area. And one was all like, oh, wow, a crime buster robot. This is a deluxe model. That's so cool. So a few cardboard cutouts pop up of bad guys and the crime buster blasts them. Then a little kid cutout pops up and it doesn't shoot it. And oh, so good. the tech, and yeah. And so the tech <laughs> says, good response, pleasure center appropriate. And what? So are they like, yeah, are they conditioning these robots with like pleasure reward systems? Because that's insane. Like, are they shooting, using like a Skinner shooting. box? Yeah. Are they like using Skinner box type like reward systems? Like, oh, don't shoot the thing. You get the pleasure reward. If you shoot the thing, you get the pain reward because they're robots. You can just program them. You don't need to do this. This is insane. <laughs> Maybe they started as some kind of psychological experiment gone awry. I don't know, Danielle. I cannot explain any of the decisions of the robot designs of this movie. It's all insane. <laughs> so then an old lady with a baby carriage pops up and the robot torches it with a flamethrower. <laughs> oh, no. And one, of the, and one of the tech says, apparently it's still overreacting. And the people in the cart drive off. So we just have that little scene of how this incredibly dangerous robot is being used in the police force, which I guess fits. And the but. crazy thing is, this is still overreacting. So we have to assume it's done some kind of damage in the past. And that's why I got pulled to begin with. So did it yeah, flamethrow no. some kind of granny with a <laughs> stroller? We all know how our police force in America operates, Danielle, and this would not be a surprise to Well, me. maybe because they're all robots that are conditioned with a pain pleasure. <laughs> I mean, that would be a better explanation than what the real answer is, probably. <laughs> that would explain uh, a lot, though. It would. Anyway, that whole scene's insane. I had to share. It, it, it has no relevance to the plot other than to establish that the Crime Buster robot is insane, which I knew from the opening. Thank you very much. 
Is the crime buster robot going to search for them later when they disappear to start their own family? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Just making sure it tied in, Sam. I, I have no proof that anything ties into anything yet. No. I mean, that it all comes up later. But again, I don't know if that was what it was doing earlier, if that was just water to the forest, and then they brought it back, and then it breaks out again, because that's just negligence of the factory part. Yeah, maybe it gone awry by running through the forest yelling. I don't think that's why. I think it was already... I don't know, Daniel. I can't... I don't know the timeline of this movie. We'll get to how the timeline doesn't make sense later. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So we cut to Aqua and Val looking at rainbows through the giant picture windows. Aww. Living their best asks, life. Yeah, no, they're not. Aqua <laughs> asks Val to identify that atmospheric phenomenon, which Val does, and he says it has an unknown function. Val is then all, hey, can you see all the colors humans can? And Aqua responds, yes, plus three more. And he's all, oh, I think we'd be very mechanically compatible, which is like, I guess, robot flirting or something? <laughs> I don't know. You... Do not. I would not think that robots would flirt with each other. They shouldn't. But also, more questions. One, why program a robot to see beyond human light spectrum? I mean, I guess that's fine. That doesn't make a difference. Whatever. But two, how would a robot seeing into the infrared or whatever make it mechanically compatible? Like, why is that? Make, what does that even mean? What, is it, what does that mean to be mechanically compatible? Wouldn't that mean like, do you have parts that like fit together? Because that's weird. <laughs> I don't know, Sam. I can't tell I you. I don't know. <laughs> We're like. Ten minutes into this movie, we're like almost a sixth, of the, like, you know, a seventh of the way through this movie, an eighth of the way through this movie, and I am lost in the woods, <laughs> as lost as Crime Buster was at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> it was just a metaphor for your uh, experience, Sam. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they're, they're trying to word you. Yeah. So we cut back to Max and Charlie. They're bringing a busted comedian robot to the same shelf as Aqua and Val. Why would there be a comedian robot? Danielle, I don't know. I, <laughs> it I, makes I, sense for like purpose, like serving certain purposes, like working in certain areas. I don't understand why there would just be like random comedian robots. I cannot tell you that answer, Daniel. I can't explain why any of these robots exist. All of these robots seem like they're worse at their functions than just having a person do it or literally a machine. <laughs> Crazy. So it looks like a standard sort of insult comic, and it's always sitting down on a box. Like, it has treads. But he has legs that he can cross and uncross, but he's always, like, sitting while he... It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Is it an actual human playing it? Uh, no. Like, these are, I think it's what actually, I don't know, Dana. It could be mechanical. I think it's mechanical. I think that, like, the special effects budget for this movie was most of its $12 million. So you can't tell if it's mechanical or human? I mean, it's definitely mechanical. I don't know if, like, there's someone inside of it, like, operating it like R2-D2 was or something. Impressive. Okay. We'll continue on. This movie is very <laughs> highly produced. Like, there is the special effects are really good. Just for 1981, or they hold up good? I mean, they hold up. The, the robots all look old and, and goofy in terms of their, like, design, but they look like – they look like robots. They look really – it's really well done. Nice. Everything else, eh, but the robots. <laughs> and the music. I mean, sure, but that's a given. The person who voices this robot, Danielle, is Jack Carter, famous comic from the 50s and 60s, I guess. <laughs> Maybe they just wanted him to be in the movie, and so they <laughs> were like, well, no. how can we get him in there? <laughs> There's someone else who is only in this movie so they could attach his name to it, and we'll get to that, and it's freaking crazy. <laughs> So this robot is named Catskill, and it starts telling these really bad one-liner jokes. And I don't know what's wrong with it, but apparently they're like, oh, he just keeps telling jokes and you can't talk to it or whatever. Like, it's just, just telling these one-liners all the time. I get, like, it's a comedian robot. What do you expect of it? Well, maybe it had more complex jokes previously. Here's an example of the joke, Danielle. I'm going to give you one. Just for, yes, please He says a lot of jokes, but I'm going to give you one. Danielle, did you hear about the guy who was killed by a weasel? No. He was sitting on a railroad track, but didn't hear the weasel. Oh, that's terrible. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there are a lot of those in this movie. I, I mean, genuinely terrible. It's not even like it's funny, but it's terrible. It's just terrible. No, it is awful. And he, and he has this kind of like clip, like uh, Rodney Dangerfield style of talking. So mm-hmm. like the accent makes it work a little better, but no. So they put the robot up on the shelf near Val and Aqua, and then it cuts to nighttime, and the comedian robot is snoring, so I guess they programmed these robots to sleep or why? something. Why? I don't understand. I, I don't know. <laughs> and why is it programmed to snore when it sleeps? Who did this? <laughs> Val says he wants to study some trees, and would Aqua go on a field trip with him to help collect and store samples from some of the trees he sees outside the window? So now they're leaving, leaving the property? Yeah, apparently. What, that's their plan. Are, are they supposed to get fixed? Where are the people to fix these robots? They've been here at least 24 hours. Dale, again, you are asking questions I do not have answers to. <laughs> that's the whole point, Sam. Why is a valet robot interested in studying trees to begin with, Danielle? He says yeah. something about like lumber products and their use in making money, but the profitability of lumber, but that's nonsense. <laughs> not any worse than anything else said so far. We're 15 minutes into this movie, Danielle, and I have no idea what's happening or why or like what the rules of use of first are. Like this is more confusing than like ice pirates or whatever. <laughs> it's was great. Not, it was not confusing, ice pirates. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, uh, what you told me about it, it certainly was. <laughs> made perfect sense. In comparison Uh, to this movie, it made perfect sense. I mean, that's not hard. (laughs) (laughs) So Aqua and Val just walk off past the comedian bot, and then they ask him if he wants to come with them. And all he does is make some more insult jokes. But like, oh, that must mean yes, so come along. And he does. thought he was asleep. He woke up when they walked by him, I guess. okay. So we cut to Charlie and Max. They're playing poker in the factory. It's dark because it's night. I guess they appear to be the only people there with the other guy they're playing poker with. So do they like live in this warehouse? Are they working day and night shifts? That seems crazy. Yeah. I don't know why they're they're playing poker. Like, What are they supposed to be doing? (laughs) They're not security guards. (laughs) Maybe they're just playing poker at the place. It's a good spot to like have everybody. It's a terrible place to play poker, Danielle, because like you get fired. (laughs) Maybe. Apparently, there are no rules. They're arguing about how the new companion series robots are amazing with all these new circuits. They don't even know how they how to use. They're built with excess capabilities. And I can't imagine why <laughs> you would ever design something that, like, let's give it more capabilities than we think it needs to just waste money and make it more expensive <laughs> and harder to sell. <laughs> but like I said, I think it might be, like, you know, our current forays into machine learning and neural nets. So maybe this movie is very prescient. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, while they're arguing, Val and Aqua and Catskill walk by the windows in the room they're in, and they just don't notice, because comedy! <laughs> Meanwhile, Aqua and Val, they pass a yellow van, and they decide to jack it. Val insists that he has the program to drive, even though he's never actually driven before, which shouldn't make a difference if he's a robot and has been programmed to drive properly. That's true. I don't understand why he's like, you don't need to have a robot practice driving if it knows how to drive. They have, do they not have like any kind of moral compass? They no. just steal a van? None. Nope. That seems against the laws of robotics, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> well, if you want to take up the laws of robotics, yeah, maybe Asimov does exist in this universe to have explained them to these people, because these robots are programmed just in the most insane way possible, so something's gone awry. <laughs> so then we cut to Val, plowing through fences, cackling like a maniac as he's driving. He's oh, loving it. Yeah, Do okay. we see... One Sorry. <laughs> Do we see other humans? I mean, like, eventually. Uh, 
at some point. We do. Yeah, but we there are humans in the factory, like in the background. There are background actors and stuff. Okay, I just wanted to make sure to see if it's like, not a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> I'm just curious if maybe robots have robots. taken over more than we're expecting. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They are definitely a minority. All right, continue. Sorry. So he's having a lot of fun driving his van through fences like a crazy person. I thought he knew how to drive, but he's never done it before, Danielle. So he's out of practice. I, but, yeah, but he's. I, Danielle, I went over this already. I said I he's a robot. It shouldn't matter. I don't know what the problem. The rules is. of the road still apply. <laughs> uh, apparently, not to Val. Wild. Aqua then asks him to slow down, and Val says, "Nope, I'm now an expert driver." And he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> I don't know what she sees in him, honestly. <laughs> we have this problem a lot with our leads when they get together. Yeah. So we cut to a security guard, I guess, walking into the poker game and asking the guys, hey, where'd you move those three bots you brought in? Like, he knew about them somehow? I don't know. And I still don't know why any of these people are here or what they do. <laughs> and Charlie and Max are all confused since they didn't move them. It's like they are robots and could walk out on their own because they have no rules governing them. Crazy. Right? And they don't, and they don't lock the doors, apparently. <laughs> We got to Charlie and Max and a third guy, who I swear is not in the movie up to this point, but they just treat like we should all know who he is, <laughs> who is the factory boss. And they walk into a room with this with the crime bot in it. Like they just happen to like go into the same room with the crime bot, and he and he's chewing them out about how when I get pressure, you get pressure, and I'm getting pressure because they lost these two robots apparently hours ago. And the two guys are all look, Robin, we looked for them. So I guess this is sometime later and not the same night, but I don't think it's the same night. But it isn't because they spent time looking for the. It doesn't make sense, Danielle. I don't know what the timeline is. <laughs> and it is the movie. It's fine. Anyway, while Robin is yelling at them, the crime buster robot wakes up and is like eavesdropping on their conversation. Robin is all, "You were supposed to be there all night taking inventory." Which, why? Maybe they do it like once a month. Instead, we're playing their poker game. I have no idea, Danielle. <laughs> Anyway, he tells them they have one day to find those two comp units and the cat skill. And I don't know why he puts that clock on it, but he says, yeah, one day. And we'll see how that pans out. Or else. <laughs> or else. I have no idea who this person is, what kind of power he has, or if the consequences are a failure. So there are no stakes. The best kind of movie. So Crime Buster is also very interested in this conversation for some reason. I, I don't know why. After they leave, Crime Buster extends his sniffing appendage to apparently sniff out the missing robots. Like a bloodhound. They but leave they're a robots. They're I robots. don't know. <laughs> they're not Maybe humans. Like motor oil? But that seems like very common sense. Yeah, you don't. I don't feel like robots would smell differently from other robots. Yeah, I mean, wild. Anyway, it busts out yelling, Crime Buster always gets his man. Darkness makes crime fighting difficult, but not impossible. And I think he's my favorite character. <laughs> I knew you'd like him. What's not to like? He's this bombastic guy just yelling things to himself while charging through situations recklessly. Oh, sounds just like you. <laughs> yeah, pretty exactly. That's me, Danielle. You know how <laughs> reckless I am. <laughs> He's voiced by Ron Gans, by the way. Okay, good to know. I, just want, I want to give all the amazing cast credit. That's fair. And again, I guess Crime Buster was not locked down. Either. Like, this Crime Buster robot is malfunctioning. They know it tortures little old ladies with baby carriages, and yet it wasn't restrained or locked down or turned off anyway. It was just allowed to bust its way out of the factory, no problem. Yeah, it's weird to me that they store all these robots, but they don't turn any of them off. Or lock the doors. Or, <laughs> you know, do anything that would tie them down. You think they would have off buttons, though? Some kind. You would think. So this movie does a lot of cutting back and forth between Crime Buster, Charlie and Max, and the Valve Robots. And mm -hmm. so just get used to that. I'm just going to be doing that, Danielle. It's going to get very confusing. So Excellent. good luck. 
So Aqua then asks Val to slow down again. He refuses, and they crash between two trees he thought he could thread the needle between. Yeah, well, he couldn't. He lied. Nope, he didn't. You think that as a robot, he would have a good sense of space. Nope, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to morning. Val concludes the truck is broken. So I guess they've been there all night trying to fix the truck. <laughs> like, well, I guess this crash truck really is broken. He then suggests they head deeper into the forest to better study the trees for the purposes of learning about lumber profitability. Cut to Crimebot rolling by some trees, shouting to no one, I will soon be able to apprehend these suspects, unless they head for Mexico, which is out of my jurisdiction. And so, is this cutting back to the original scene at the beginning? No! <laughs> <laughs> Again, I have no idea where anything is spatial. Like they use like the same three sets over and over, or the same three parts of the forest and the same lake and the same like <laughs> scenery over and over again. But they have different things there at different times. I have no idea like what the proximity is of anything to anything else. Like I have no idea how far Crime Buster is away from these people or what's going on. <laughs> he could be right next door to them and just like driving by them. And they're all just behind a tree. <laughs> That'd be great. I also love the idea that he's very concerned about them heading for Mexico, which hilarious. Where's this located? I have no idea. I wonder if it's close to Mexico, like California. It is like an evergreen forest, so with Douglas fir trees, which they identify later. So it could be back, it could be California or somewhere on the West Coast, but no idea. Where Mexico is an actual viability, viable I mean, option. Sure. But if that were true, he wouldn't be worried about them heading for Mexico if they're already in Mexico. Well, I didn't think they're in Mexico. I just meant that they'd be logistically capable of getting there within a reasonable amount of time. No, they're, they're absolutely not. Dealing, and we'll explain why later. Okay. <laughs> So, back to Val and Aqua, they decide they need to build something to take all the spare parts from the van in case they need them. Spare parts of what? For robot spare parts. I don't know. Why are there robot spare parts in the van? It's like a service van, I guess. I oh. don't know, Danielle. It's just a big yellow van they sold from the factory that had robot well, parts Well, you said in it. it very casually, like I was supposed to know. I presented it with the same amount of gravitas and clarification as the movie does. Well, then I'm allowed to have questions. You are. And I'm allowed to be indignant that I didn't get the answers from the movie. How dare you ask me questions I was not given the answers to when I asked those same questions. That's the whole plot of our entire podcast as far as I can tell. So we do a little fade and a little while later they built a small robot. What? Yeah. (laughs) And Val says, look, Aqua, it has your wiring. And Aqua says, yes, Val, but it has your circuits. They made a baby. Literally. That's creepy. They've made a baby, Danielle. (laughs) Oh, they've made a baby. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) No, it gets really weird. So Aqua turns it on. Is it supposed to be like a baby organ bank? Like it has the spare parts and just wonder so they can take what they need from it? I don't know. That's even creepier because then you're like... Shaking things from your baby. <laughs> I think I think it's not supposed to be that because they hook up like a trailer to it that they have all the spare parts piled in. So they built a robot to carry around a trailer that they put the spare parts and in. It's that, supposedly their baby and they're putting it to work immediately. Yeah, no. Child labor laws are not by the robots. <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Oh, about to get worse. So then they wander off and Aqua decides to name him Philco or Phil for short. Sure, why this robot just is making constant beep boop noises and like screaming like R2D2. Do you know who voices Phil in this movie? Whoever did R2D2? No. Uh, Take a guess. Uh, gosh, the 80s. How do you not know anyone's name? Because <laughs> you're literally just like, pick somebody out of a hat pick, from 1981. Any you're going to be wrong. Just literally pick anyone. The person who did Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. No. <laughs> you don't even know that person's name. I can't remember her name. I can see her face, but I don't remember her name. No. Danielle, it's Jerry Garcia. Oh, sure. I should have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry freaking Garcia of the Grateful Dead. They got him to make beep boop noises for this movie. Probably so they could put his name on the poster. 
Why in the world would I ever guess that, Sam? You wouldn't have. That's why it's fun. <laughs> Jerry freaking Garcia. Why? This movie's insane. The cast is insane. The It's like so overpowered for what it is. It's amazing. How old was the woman who did Tommy Pickles in 1981? Danielle, focus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, we can do it. We can do a Rugrats episode later, but oh, right now I have too much insanity to take. She was twenty. She could have done it. <laughs> okay, great, Danielle. I'm so glad you looked that up. E.G. Daly. I just couldn't remember her name. Thank Elizabeth you. All Daly. right. Mm-hmm. That person is not Jerry Garcia, so we'll have to put them aside for now. No, but she does great voices. Okay. <laughs> just saying. What, are you, are you okay, your ADD is off the charts today. <laughs> one thing it's the first oh, thing i googled whole, and the story about the two people staring at each other in the show you watched for okay but they minutes. were just it was relevant to the thing that's not add that was i just i even said this is like relevant but completely <laughs> off topic i mean that's valid <laughs> oh i'm sorry i just know this is gonna take forever because there's so much this movie again 80 minutes could take us way longer than this movie to probably talk about this movie i haven't interrupted that much go 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 you haven't danielle which is impressive Meanwhile, the two factory workers are driving around looking for the robots in the woods. How do they know where to look for the robots? I don't know. Do they have tracking device on these robots? No. They should. Should they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, they just like stumble upon the abandoned van, which has been stripped for parts. It's been stripped for parts after they already stripped it for parts? No, by the robots. Like the oh, two okay. robots, they're all, they're like, oh, it's been stripped for parts. They're like... How do they find the van? They just wandered into any forest nearby. Yeah, I, that's all I can find is they just wandered into any forest and they stumbled across the van in this forest. That's pretty impressive since we don't know how far he drove. Yeah, I mean, crazy. So they radio back to the factory boss and tell him they can't find the robot. And he says there's a helicopter pilot coming and she'll help them find them. Okay. Okay. Next scene, cut to the robots walking through a clearing, discussing what God is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems something that you would discuss as a robot. Uh, this conversation is not fruitful, and I will simply skip it. <laughs> Phil is making a little chirping noise of wonder as he sees rabbits in trees. Aqua and Val notice that Phil has wandered off and go to look for him, bickering all the time, like, I thought you were watching him, I thought you were watching him. You know, clearly great couple. And great parents. Absolutely. We cut back to all the factory people in a helicopter looking for the robots. Also, the crime buster is still wandering through the forest. Anyway, the workers say they want to give up, but the helicopter pilot is all, you know, you lost them, so you have to pay for their replacements, which changes their mind since these robots are crazy expensive. So this is so important that they hired a helicopter pilot to like do an air search? Apparently, this is just a helicopter pilot that works for the factory. That, what, flies the CEO places? I don't know, Danielle. She is just a part of the staff. <laughs> okay. She appears later, she comes back, she's just a part of the crew. What a job. I don't know why they have, like, do robots go missing frequently enough they need to have this helicopter pilot on retainer so they can go out hunting for them? If that's the like case, they, they should really have some caribou. better strategic, like, things in place so that the Maybe robots fence, can't leave the property. A fence or something. Oh, uh, that might help. Or, you know, turn them off, like you suggested. Or lock them up, at least. Yes, or anything. So back with the robots, they decide to hunker down in a cave for the night, even though it looks like it's still the middle of the day by the light, how bright it is. But then they hear a bear roar from inside the cave, but lacking any other options, they decide to try and make the animal know that they're not a threat so they can share the cave together. I don't think that's how bears work. It's not. It is not how bears work. It's not how anything works, but this movie does not care. So Val approaches the cave with trepidation going, hello, I'm taking a calculated risk, but we mean you no harm. I mean, what? Uh, I guess the bear could tear it apart. Well, he is immediately lightly mauled and tossed from the cave by the bear. <laughs> 
Good job, bear. Yeah. The bear comes out and is all like, rawr, I'm a bear. Is it a real bear? Yeah. Okay. Making sure. Wasn't sure what the movie decided to go with. No, well, the real bear. Not a robot bear. No real bear. (laughs) And then Phil approaches the bear, making beeps and boops. The bear is not impressed by the tiny robot. Oh, I was hoping they were going to become good friends. Nope. Uh, by the way, Phil is like a little treaded robot, so he's not like a humanoid robot. It was like Wally, kind of. Figured. But then the helicopter flies by like feet above the trees, scaring the bear off. But yet somehow everyone in the helicopter do not see the robot standing right there near the bear. They <laughs> do the see bear. the bear. They see the they bear. See the, they <laughs> see the bear literally feet from the ground. They're like, oh, there's a movement. Oh, it's just the bear. Never mind. And they fly off as the robots all make their way into the cave. Wild. Crazy. So Aqua and Val realize they're being hunted, and they very much want to stay together, and thus need to avoid being caught. They're not worried that the bear's going to come back? It's home. Apparently not, Danielle. <laughs> I, mean, I assume the bear might run off, but it seems like it would probably come back to its den. Nope, bear's like, that cave is haunted, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> uh, I, that's a, I didn't have that thought, Danielle, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, I, things get startled, they do come back. Not this bear, this bear is a one-and-done bear, I guess. <laughs> Robot ghosts. So now we cut to the crime buster. It's night. Crime buster is urging anyone around him to turn themselves in to cut a deal with the DA. <laughs> okay. Cut back to the cave. Or well, I guess it's outside the cave because Catskill and Phil are wandering around. They're near a lake and Catskill is telling Phil a joke about bagels. Phil is delighted by his terrible jokes. <laughs> Catskill is delighted because he says to Phil, when you're happy, I'm happy. Which is kind of sweet. Aww. I know. Match made in heaven. Robot mm, heaven. No, it's a child, Danielle. <laughs> they're robot ghosts what so you said they were robot ghosts earlier i said they were robot ghosts i said the cave was haunted yeah well i figured they were robot ghosts if that's the case no the, the helicopter made the noise and the bear's like oh it must be haunted i'm gone right and i said there must be robot ghosts we have this Why? whole conversation because <laughs> if it's haunted and they're living in it then they're the ghosts that's not how ghosts work <laughs> <laughs> how do you know you don't believe in them <laughs> if i move into a haunted house danielle that doesn't make me a ghost <laughs> If a robot moves into a house and cave, there were it no ghosts the robot to a ghost. begin with, so the the bear must think that the robot is go- our ghosts. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. <laughs> All right, whatever. I, I think your logic is flawed. But I do not have the patience to debate that with you. <laughs> That's how I get away with things. Yeah. Oh, I love this scene. Oh my gosh. Okay, so back in the cave, Aqua is trying to repair Val by firelight, but can only do so much because, again. They don't have replacement parts, I guess. I guess the replacement parts they do have are not good enough, and they're robots. They don't know how to repair each other. It's all very weird. That doesn't make any sense. Nothing makes sense in this movie, Danielle. I think that's been established. How would they not know how to repair each other? And also, they just got all the parts from that van. I don't know, Danielle. Maybe they don't have the right parts. They made in special parts that they didn't get from the van. Sure, sure. They discuss how much Phil needs them since he cannot protect himself. And Aqua asks Val to transfer her safety monitor to Phil so he can better protect himself. The scene is played for romance with romantic music as Val says, I would object, but then I will be there to protect you. And then he says, if you're finished with my shoulder, see if you can fix my pleasure center. Ew. (laughs) Exactly. But he means that literally because he's like, my pleasure center is malfunctioning and sending weird pulses through my body. And then they hug because the pleasure centers are on the middle of their backs, like at the base of their neck. Uh And as they hug, Aqua says, mine must be broken too, since it's also sending strong impulses. And they hug tighter and it's clear they're both about to climax. <laughs> That's not. It's gross. <laughs> it's very gross. Also, two robots should not be like that. Should be something that's programmed into them. <laughs> like also, 
Why do they have pleasure centers? I mean, I know why they have pleasure centers. They're, they're, their robots are clearly designed for one specific use. But, but they're companion no. robots. Sam, we already established this. Absolutely crazy. That's a weird place for a pleasure center. I don't, Danielle, it's so weird. It's like a little <laughs> disc in the back that like lights up and blinks. I don't understand it. Like if you were using that as a pleasure robot, like you would bought a companion robot. Well, let me rub seems, your neck, yeah, baby. Like, <laughs> An odd, an odd way to go oh, about it. Oh yeah, back of your neck and like between your shoulder blades. Oh, that's that's the spot for me. Question: Are they like neutered? These robots? How would I know the answer to <laughs> genitals? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's told in the show, Sam. Yeah, I, I've seen the robot junk. No, I don't know, Danielle. Whether they have, whether they're fully functional or not. I don't know where these scenes go. I can say, Danielle, I don't know if they're again neutered. Probably not the right word for this. But <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase it. I don't know if they have genitals. Do they have all the body parts? Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to guess not since they made Phil like by hand, but what do I know? Well, I didn't think Phil did, but I was wondering if the two of them did because they're companion robots. No, but I'm saying if, if they made Phil by hand, they wouldn't, they don't have genitals to make babies with. Well, I didn't like, just because you have the <laughs> genitals doesn't mean that they would actually be able to make babies with them. I, Danielle, I know. I'm just, never mind. Like, <laughs> ruin the joke. <laughs> so no, I don't know if they have junk. Anyway, so as they're about to climax, Phil and Catskill walk in and they lurch apart going, oh, we weren't doing anything. Well, I don't think either of them are going to know what they were doing anyway. Uh, they clearly Maybe do. Maybe Catskill, like, but not Catskill Phil. is like, gives like little eyebrows, like waggles his eyebrows suggestively. His eyebrows? Yeah. That's right. He's a human on top of a thing. He's a, he's a person sitting on a box. I forget. That has treads. I forgot that he was human. Annoyed. Cut to a small hardware store in a, in a small town. Somehow the bots have made their way out of the woods to this small town. <laughs> I'm like, meanwhile, it is small town <laughs> no this is just like now we're here <laughs> they have disguised themselves as moving trees by holding small trees in front of them i mean that works it checks does out not. <laughs> they have phil break into a fence behind the hardware store because he's equipped with bolt cutters for some reason phil is yeah i mean why not i don't know danielle <laughs> i just have, you have to go with this movie you, you can't ask all these questions i learned that the hard way they made him like a little like carrier robot he could have bolt cutters or whatever Why not? Crime Buster is now trundling through the night, angry that his quarry has not turned themselves in. He finds a piece of Valve's suit that was torn off by the bear, so he's hot on their trail. Uh Uh-oh. Except they could have gone anywhere. It's pure luck that they even got to the right forest. I don't know how he's following them. Is he sniffing them out? He must be. And again, why? Why would they have a smell? It's a, it's a good question. Nothing makes sense. I don't know how, like, they all just happen to be in the right place at the right time whenever the story needs them to, and it doesn't make any sense how they get anywhere. <laughs> so back in the hardware store, Val and Aqua are stealing everything they can to upgrade Phil and fix themselves, but the store is all out of batteries or energy packs, which I'm sure won't be a problem later. Yeah, I'm sure it won't be. And is the primary reason they probably wouldn't get to Mexico. Uh... They operate off of, like, they have to be charged. I mean, they have to run off power, yeah. They don't have, like, a plug-in or something where they can just find electricity? I Danielle, I, they never plug themselves into anything. I have no idea why they don't have, like, a wall <laughs> charger or whatever. <laughs> you think they would? It seems obvious. If these are, like, being sold to people in their homes, that, like, you should just be able to plug them into the wall and they'll be charging. But, nope, apparently they can't just steal electricity from this random hardware store. That seems weird. Shenanigans. <laughs> it's absolutely nonsense. It's definitely plot, you know, convenience. Phil gets all worked up over not getting a traffic control helmet, which for some reason Valid Aqua won't let him have. Like, just give him the freaking hat. You're Who just cares? stealing stuff. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they're like, no, no, Phil, you can't always get everything you want. Like, why are you trying to teach this robot moral lessons? <laughs> they don't want just morals. Just give him the freaking hat. <laughs> Crime Buster then rolls down the street looking for them, but the bots have already left using their tree disguises. How did he get to this tiny little town? Danielle, I don't know. <laughs> he got there immediately. 
<laughs> yeah, how did they get from the cave? Like, it took them all that time to get to this tiny little town from the cave, the and he manages to get there, to get like... The cave. And then they get to the cave to the town almost immediately, and then Crime Buster teleport... I don't know, Daniel. Another, like I, said, I have no idea where anything is in relation to each other. Maybe Crime Buster was hot on their trail the whole time, but that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I can't I can't answer that question. Maybe he moves a lot faster, because there's one of him and four of them. It's like he's Jason Voorhees. He just teleports around the forest. <laughs> I mean, yes. Jason Voorhees is definitely, like, 80% robot by now. Uh, or something. Who knows? <laughs> so as Crime Buster is going down the street looking for them, the bots have left the store, but he sees these trees crossing the street. And so he turns on the floodlights, and the robots freeze in the middle of the street, and he's like, hold up. Crime Buster then monologues about how he's here to find three fugitive robots and how he just has so many weapons. And then he demands they identify themselves. Val identifies himself as Bushbot 60034 and sort of waddles side to side. Uh-huh. Aqua plays along and Val says that they're Bushbots, part of the mobile decoration unit. Crimebot is slightly skeptical and then takes their photos to check with headquarters and confirm that they are Bushbots. I guess photographic identification. The the factory has photographic records of all the robots. I don't know. Well, if they all look different, unless they all look like Bernadette Peters and they all look like I know that we never see any other comp. I mean, we do kind of see some other comp units. At a, we'll get to that, but I don't know. It's very confusing. I like that he has to take their word for it. That seems like a terrible police. Robot. Well, he doesn't. He takes a photo to <laughs> confirm, and he says, wait a minute, headquarters says that you're not Bushbots. So he tells them they must be criminals, and he's called the police, and they are not to move while he plays elevator music to pass the time, holding them at gunpoint. Are they gonna, they're robots, can they, are the, ro- are the guns, can they get away from the guns? <laughs> I, do you want to try that sentence again, Danielle? <laughs> I was thinking like four thoughts at once. I couldn't decide which way to go with that. <laughs> and I got none of them. Okay. <laughs> so they're robots. Can they just get away from the guns or something? Like there's four Won't of them, four shot? robots against this one gun robot. You think it's, a lot. Like, it's like 17 guns that popped out of various holes and oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Well, you just said it, like, it didn't Rocket seem... launchers and stuff. Got it. Go ahead. It's insanely over-militarized, like much of our police force. Ooh. Burn. I mean, facts. <laughs> <laughs> Val starts saying that they can't be criminals because they're robots, and robots are bound by a robot litany. What? They exist to serve with logic and efficiency. But they just stole a bunch of stuff and have a moral compass and falling Danielle, in love. And <laughs> The litany is to serve with logic and efficiency. It doesn't say anything about stealing. <laughs> That's how you get robot overlords. They're like, you know, it would be much it, it, more logical to just take over this human population who's very irrational. <laughs> it's a crazy... Terrible litany to have. Like, this is your robot code. is like, just serve with efficiency and logic. Why not don't steal? Don't murder? None of those are part of their litany. It's crazy. So they very much could be robot criminals. But this causes Crime Buster to start freaking out going, you can't be a robot because you're criminals. But you cannot be criminals because you're robots. Like, you know, your standard sort of paradox that fries Except the circuits that of robots. I don't robots. think it's a paradox. It's not. But he is convinced it is. And so he sort of like melts down and speeds off in the night speaking gibberish and blasting his flamethrower randomly. Well, that was easy. That was very easy. So the robots stumble across to a lakeside house party, and Aqua's all, this is perfect. I'm programmed for such parties. And we all know how well the programming has worked before when Val tried to drive with his programming, so I wouldn't count that for much. She's going to go ask for banana daiquiris. Are they just, like, hiding in plain sight? Is that their... That's her plan. And, like, Val is apprehensive about, like, hey, this is probably not a great place to hide from Crime Buster. And Aqua's like, no, trust me, this is perfect. But he called the police, too, supposedly, right? I'm sure he didn't. The police never show up. Okay. Well, he's supposed to. What was he going to do? What was his plan? (laughs) 
I don't know, Danielle. Did he, like, is he malfunctioning so he thought he called the police, but that, he didn't? That's my only guess, is that he somehow, like, thought he called the police, but he's so broken, he absolutely did not. Because <laughs> otherwise, that it makes no, they seem very unconcerned that there might be police on their trail. I, I, Danielle, again, I think he just says things that are supposed to be funny that don't make any sense. Okay, well, that's confusing. The movie doesn't care about the answer, Danielle, I can tell you that much. Stupid. Okay, continue. It is very stupid. Like I said, everything about this movie is like such a high quality, except like the plot and the story <laughs> and the right, like the dialogue and the plot. Like that's sad. It's so crazy. It's bonkers. Anyway, so the party is hopping with a bunch of robot butlers bringing around hors d'oeuvres. Val and Aqua each grab trays to blend in, even though they're not dressed remotely the <laughs> same like as the other dressed, robot right? butlers. No, they're dressed completely differently than the robot butlers. So, and if I was like the person who. Oh, when this has like, oh, I haven't seen those two completely different looking robots before. You think they would have like knocked a couple out or something and stolen their outfits? <laughs> Could you knock out a robot? I don't know. Anything's possible. Maybe they stab their pleasure centers and they explode. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be euphemistic. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. So Phil, the child robot, sees a girl in a short skirt and makes a wolf whistle noise at her because- No, ew. he's like, like three he's, days old. <laughs> he's, no, he is- a day old at best. <laughs> it's the grossest thing. Meanwhile, Catskill works the crowd with insult comedy because everyone loves insult comedy at the party, I guess. Yeah, apparently. Crimebuster, having resolved his issues because he's back on the case and about to crash the party because he found them already somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Crimebuster drives through the picture Wait, window he's, into he's the house. He decided that it's definitely, they can be. Uh, he's like, they're criminals. probably criminals. It's fine. My whole. <laughs> Freak out earlier. I'm done with that. I've moved past it. Oh, okay. I've resolved my issues. I don't know, Danielle. Nothing about that. <laughs> He's just back. He's just back for with no explanation. So he busts through the picture window into the house, causing chaos. He then blows up a back wall in pursuit of Val and Aqua and the rest who ran out the back door. It's now morning, and the woman who presumably lives there is surveying the damage with a few other guests. She's irrelevant. I don't know why we spend time with her. <laughs> Just so you can see the damage done. I guess. Cut to Val and Aqua and the rest of them back in the forest. And Aqua's all... We haven't communicated in 3.7 miles, and Val just ignores her. Finally, she convinces him to talk to her. He apologizes, kind of, and they link arms and walk off. I guess he was mad about the party and her being like, this is a great place to hide, but it wasn't. I, I don't mean, know. how would you not? I mean, it could have been a good place to hide. <laughs> I don't know, Danielle. They're having like a lover's quarrel, and they resolve it in seconds, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Cut to Charlie and Max, the two warehouse workers, FYI. Yes, yes, I know. One is changing a tire in the woods, and they're both stopped for a bag changing of Changing a tire? Beer. Yeah, they're Are on they, a truck now. I thought you said a tiger. I was like, what? <laughs> no, they're changing a tire in the woods, and they both stop for a bag of beer. The helicopter is gone. They've decided to go back to using a pickup truck. To Did look you for say the, a bag of beer? Yeah, a bag. They're like, I miss cans. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of lore in this movie. Like Everything's in bags now. Cans don't exist. Like. They get there's like a Coke machine that gives them bags of Coke later in the movie. It's not commented upon. I don't know why it's a thing. What like what does the bag look like? What's it made out of? You did not see me. I just sat there blinking for like thirty <laughs> seconds. How would I know what the bag is made of, Danielle? I mean, what does it look well, like? It's a polypropylene bag yeah, with I mean, a <laughs> liner of polyethylene. What does it look like, though? Does it look like like the it, bags of it, wine? It looks, you... like, it looks like a Capri Sun of beer. Okay, <laughs> is there a straw? No, it has like a, a, a like a nozzle. Okay, sure. Like an astronaut like drink or whatever. Okay, I was just trying to imagine it, it Danielle. It. Is the thing that matters the least in this movie. It's just <laughs> yeah, a but fun... it's most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sad, it's a sad comment. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to include. I was curious about it. So Charlie, the younger one played by Randy Quaid, 
asked Max what the warehouse manager meant when he said that the two of them went way back last night. So apparently last night they were told they have one day to come find the robot, even though it's been like a whole day-night cycle. <laughs> I don't know. Again, timeline makes no sense. And Max just doesn't answer that question, and we cut to the next scene. <laughs> so... Their previous lovers. Well, what he does say, actually, is that he and the boss were in the same commune. And that's it. That's the entire explanation that he gives. Commune? Commune. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. He just, like, like, like the They're part beer. of the same cult. They were, like, in the this same barracks and an army. <laughs> all these really interesting details that simply go nowhere. I think a lot of this movie end up on the cutting room floor because things happen so quickly. Uh-huh. It's insane. We then cut to Crime Bot singing America the Beautiful while tromping through the woods, blasting rabbits and anything that moves. I'm sure. Why not? Why not? Cut to Val and Aqua. They're discussing how Phil, they're discussing Phil and how proud they are of him that they didn't program him for subservience because like he's not going to be a servant. He's going to be his own robot, but he still lacks important parts. So they need to find some ways to get new parts for him. So they're not only making a baby. They're trying to make like a future generation of a robot that's not subservient to humans. Maybe. Danielle, their goals are nebulous. Like, originally, they fully his realize that they're subservient to humans. Yeah, 100%. Val's original plan was to come here to study trees. Now they're like making babies and trying to start the robot revolution. I have no idea what's happening. It's I insane. cannot believe that this movie doesn't end in some kind of dystopian nightmare where the robots take over. <laughs> you don't know that's not what happens. <laughs> I have to assume that's what it is. That's, that's where this is heading. Oh, 100%. Sure. <laughs> so guess what they find in the middle of the woods, Danielle? Another baby. No. <laughs> They find a giant junkyard, just a massive junkyard in the middle just of the woods. Just in the middle of the woods? In the middle of the woods, middle of the forest, <laughs> giant junkyard. Why? Danielle, I do not know. Why is there a junkyard in the woods? At this point, I'm thinking, like, this reminds me a lot of the Brave Little Toaster. I was just that thinking that, yes. and then I was thinking there's a stretch of road, uh, you know, like 30 miles from here that is every time I drive past it, it's got all, like, the cars stacked on top of each other, uh-huh. and I'm like, this creeps me out. Because <laughs> <laughs> of Brave Little Toaster, yes. yeah. So, I mean, this kind of reminds me of Brie Willitosa in the sense you have these sentient objects that are presumably, you know, appliances, essentially, like these robots must be appliances, that have their own sentience and set on an adventure and encounter the strange horrors of the world, where in the Brave Little Toaster, it's like a meditation on mortality and all that <laughs> other kind of stuff. This movie is like, it's a goofy rom-com, <laughs> but the horror is still there, but they're trying to play it for laughs. Oh, yeah. Brave Little Toaster is a scary movie. Yeah, no. But, but existential dread absolutely terrifying movie love it but like in this one <laughs> same existential dread but they play it for laughs it's insane <laughs> the, the tone shift is jarring it's like parallel universes of the same story i don't know which came out first but it's crazy anyway they're elated to find this junkyard so they can have all these spare parts for phil and hopefully more energy packs to replace their dwindling power supplies also, they say the same line from when they roped each other earlier, which is, my pleasure center is starting to malfunction because they're so happy to see the junkyard. So I guess finding the junkyard has also made them climax, which is gross. <laughs> it's very uh, willy-nilly, this pleasure center. I don't know, Danielle. I mean, if only it were that easy. Well, if they're trained using, like, pleasure pain techniques. Which is crazy. Which would probably screw up your pleasure pain, like, scenarios, I would imagine. Danielle. You started that sentence with a premise that is insane, and then tried to justify it later. With the, like, I guess this would make it. No, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> I'm just saying that if if you were if you were yeah. trained yeah. using yeah. pleasure pain pleasure pain scenarios, <laughs> then I sorry I have a lazy tongue today. The uh, 
I'm not doing any better. Why, 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 why are we making, you know, BDSM ro- – I mean, I know why we're making BDSM robots, but why? <laughs> why? Oh, it's crazy, Daniel. Why do like, all why of our train- robot movies just dissolve into us talking about, like, sex robots? <laughs> because humans are gross, and you know that's exactly what they would do. <laughs> every premise of every robot movie we've ever done is just like, well, because they're sex robots. Which is so sad. <laughs> Anyway, while they're rummaging around through the garbage, Val and Aqua start doing like cutesy little things with each other, like flirting, and we pull out and we hear Woon's voice go, Hey Calvin, do you see what I see? And then he responds, Who are they? It looks like a family. And she says, They're robots. And then he goes, They're two comm series. And then she goes, One of them's a new model. And he's like, Yeah, there's a Capscale model complete with a cigar option. And I don't know why these people are explaining to the audience who has been with these robots <laughs> for like an hour at this point what they are. Maybe they're trying to show that those characters know what they're talking about. I guess, but they talk like robots. And I think that's sort of the premise is that they talk like robots, but they're humans. It's so weird, Danielle. They're humans, but they're talking like robots? Yeah, they they talk in the same kind of like speech pattern. Like they use the Why? same kind of technical. I don't know because they're nerds. I guess oh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they, they use like words like "What is your primary function?" Like they talk like the robots and and talk. But I don't know why it doesn't make any sense. But they do. I is guess it it's only when laughs. they're talking to the robots no. or when they're talking, when they're to, talking each to each other? That's too. even weirder. Maybe they're secretly yeah. robots. And they and they talk completely deadpan too. Like there's no emotion in the boys. It's delivered with no emotion. Maybe affect. they're robots that have learned how to like pass. Sort they of as not. humans. How do you know? Because they're def- they don't look like robots. They're definitely humans. I know, but maybe they unless they like stole the skin from yeah, other like humans. Yeah, like maybe this maybe no. this gets really dark. <laughs> so, do you know who plays these characters, Danielle? Uh, hmm, no. I should just get a list of famous '80s actors you up should. so I can like. <laughs> So the woman, the woman known as Susan is played by Melanie Marion, and the man known as Calvin is played by Christopher Guest. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed those. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't, but like, seriously, everyone's in this movie. <laughs> anyway, so they can't identify what Phil is, they identify all the other robots, but not what Phil is. So like, this is clearly just to establish their bona fides. But they conclude that they're here as customers, and Calvin's like, see, I told you not to worry about cash flow, Susan, but I'm like, you're a junkyard in the middle of the forest. Susan was 100% right to worry. Your cash flow is a huge worry. Yes. You just seem like, okay, fine, Danielle. <laughs> I was I was annoyed at Calvin for being annoyed at Susan for worrying about cash flow for his for his forest junkyard. Why do they have a forest junk? They're the owners of the forest junkyard. What? They're the owners of the forest junkyard. Yeah, they're the owners of this forest junkyard. They just what bought a piece of property in the middle of a forest and made a junkyard to make money. And he's like, "Don't worry about cash flow, Susan. See, we have customers, our first customers ever. <laughs> and now our cash flow problems are solved. And our customers are robots. That's not weird at all. We'll get to that." So Susan and Calvin go down there and start examining Phil, and then Aqua and Val, who seemed totally unconcerned with this, approach. And then a raccoon waddles out from a junk (laughs) pile, and Susan leans down to pet it, going, it's all right, Rover. And what is happening? She then hands the raccoon to Phil to hold, and Phil's like stroking the raccoon, and I feel like I've come unmoored from reality. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Why is there a raccoon pet in this junkyard that they're passing to the robot child to pet? What is happening? (laughs) What is real? (laughs) That is a choice. The choice that the the authors of this movie made. (laughs) The raccoon is irrelevant. It doesn't do anything in the movie. It's just there's a joke or something. I don't know. You do not need to have a reason to put a raccoon in a movie, Sam. That's your first mistake. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm the one who's out of touch with reality, not the movie. (laughs) 
raccoons should be in all movies. Oh, uh, this is the point of the movie where I lost it. I just, I just, <laughs> you, you can't tell. My notes get like really angry at this point. <laughs> it's in the junkyard because it's a trash panda. It can't help itself. No, it's their like guard dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's supposed to be like, I, I think it's supposed to be like a joke on like a junkyard guard dog, but. I it's mean, raccoons raccoon. would take things down if you could train them properly. And they're, but they're feral. You can't train a raccoon. <laughs> oh, I bet people have trained raccoons. I mean, I'm sure you can, like, occasionally, but they're, like, they're still wild animals. They're not domesticated. I think this is the least important part of this whole movie. <laughs> you said that earlier, Danielle. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You said the beer was the, was the most interesting part. I'm I think, mistaken. yeah, I'm I think sorry. the beer is the most, in, uh, well, now the raccoon might be, but the, um. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that the raccoon is like the least uh, startling thing in this movie. You think that? You think that? Like for me, this is like I mean, a raccoon and junkyard fly. Like that, I was not. I had no problem with that. But the fact that it's like her pet named Rover, and that she passes it off to a robot it that she doesn't identify the pet, and then she started feeding it, and then it allowed her to touch it, and now it's like the little guard dog, guard coon. I don't know, Danielle. It was crazy. It was just out of nowhere. Like there was no setup. It just happened. <laughs> why it's so good oh okay all right so let me focus up i gotta, gotta get back on track here because I, I i once again had dissociative event just talking about that scene <laughs> does it come back up does the raccoon get to no that's no. so sad lost opportunity sadly uh they do not capitalize on many of the things in this movie they should have like let when they leave the junkyard the raccoon should have been with them like i said i think there's a lot of things covered in this movie because i feel like there's a whole bunch of story missing <laughs> so they ask val and aqua why their owners sent them to get parts that they've got. Like, why they sent them to get those parts that they get. Like, all these really weird random parts. Like, you can't use those to improve yourself. Why do you have all these weird parts? They don't answer that question because instead we cut to Phil following the raccoon around in the junkyard until he comes across (laughs) the smashed up body and head of a junked robot. Phil freaks out and then we cut to Val and Aqua who are calling out looking for Phil because they've lost him again. Is he freaking out because it looks like a humanoid robot that's dead, quote unquote? Yeah, I think he's freaking out because like, oh no, they kill robots here. I've been confronted with mortality for the first time in my two-day existence. (laughs) Well, it happens to the best of us. And again, so they've lost him. Great parents. And then... Phil rolls up to them, shaking and gibbering to Val and Aqua as a shadow looms behind them, Danielle. Do you know who it is? Uh, Gina Davis. No, it's Crime Buster. He's back. <laughs> Gina Davis would be an excellent addition to this movie. <laughs> I just thought we should have Or somebody. Tina Turner. Like, Tina Jeff Turner Goldblum. from Mad Max. Jeff Goldblum would have been great. 100% would have been hilarious. Yeah, I can no, totally see Jeff him in this movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I think we spent the rest of the episode here just talking about who we think should be in this movie. I need to send you the link that I just watched of Jeff Goldblum watching impersonations of himself from other famous actors. That sounds amazing, Danielle. It's so good. Tweet that out for all our listeners. So good. It's like alarmingly interesting to watch. It's not relevant to this movie, but it's a fun thing. It I would be have if Jeff Goldblum version. was in there. I feel like he would be the one with the trash panda, like petting it. <laughs> <laughs> he would be great as one of the junk people. Like, I mean, Christopher Guest is amazing, but Jeff Goldblum would have been hilarious. <laughs> a manic junk owner <laughs> trying to make the affect of a robot. <laughs> Roll was made anyway, for Anyway, so Crime Buster shows up and he says he's going to destroy them and just starts blasting randomly, but has the aim of a stormtrooper and misses everything completely as the robots head for cover. Luckily, Sue in it and Calvin jump on the Crime Buster from behind and easily disabled by pulling out a few wires. This leads to a thought. 
Crime Buster is pretty ineffective at fighting crime if it can be easily disabled by two random schmoes who just jump on it. Yeah, go figure. Absolutely useless. So, Calvin and Susan are elated, and Val thanks them profusely for their help. So they're not concerned that, like, Crime Buster is out here searching for these other yeah, robots? Yeah. I had that same thought earlier. <laughs> Like, if Crime Buster is hunting these robots, like, again, I don't know if more time is supposed to have passed if they formed a bond with Val and Aqua, but they, like, seem like they had laid down their lives for them and fight <laughs> off this manic robot shooting guns. Like, you've known them, as far as I can tell, for literally minutes, and they just seem like robots to you, but yet you are so deeply emotionally invested in them that you're willing to fight off the Crime Buster. I don't know why they become so invested in them. Yeah, that's And why they crazy. never question why the Crime Buster is here looking for them. It seems like the first thing you'd do when you showed up, you'd be like, huh. I wonder which side I'm supposed to be on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, they apparently have formed this deep, indelible connection to Aqua and Val for the 10 seconds I've seen them interact on the screen. Wild. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Again, I think there, there must be some story missing here. There must. Don't you want to watch the unedited version of this? I want to see the director's, the director's cut of this. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see the, the extended... I want to see the Snyder cut of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Give me three hours of heartbeeps. <laughs> it might be great. You don't know. It would be amazing. I love it. I could watch Andy Kaufman and Brenda Peters all day. I mean, despite the terrible material they're given, they they really work with it. <laughs> so then Aqua and Val discuss how they need to protect Phil. And Calvin says, if Phil is to survive in this world, he needs a function. Okay. Which, which okay, I guess a robot can't just be a robot. It needs to be a purpose-built robot. And then he says, while they can do repair work here, they can't do major modifications. For that, they'll need to go back to the factory. Which, why not? Why can't they... Why? Are they going to take over the factory? No, not at all. That's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to a wide shot of the robots walking down the forest road, presumably back towards the factory. So they've done this whole adventure and just decided just to go back. Yeah. This whole thing is pointless, Daniel. (laughs) You think they'd be able to do quite a lot at a junkyard. You'd think that they could do all, or like just want to hang out here at the junkyard. You don't need to like survive and like, you don't need a function if everyone's just like, they're in a junkyard. Like no one knows you're there. You're fine. Yeah. Just chilling. Yeah. But as they're walking down the road. So they don't buy anything and the junkyard no, people are just they don't like. Take anything from the fu- junkyard. The two junkyard people are like, you guys are our best friends now. So you have to go back to the factory to give Phil a function so he can be protected because we so, want that. So they know the whole story. I don't know, Danielle. <laughs> I don't know if they've learned anything about these robots. All I know is that they are somehow deeply emotionally invested in them to the point where they lay down their lives to protect them. Well, they know that they came from the factory and they weren't like sent by somebody like they thought earlier. Maybe. I don't know. Like. Nothing is ever explained. And now they don't have any money and their junkyard's never going to survive. Yeah, they're, they're going under. Shockingly, a junkyard in the forest was not a good investment idea. I cannot imagine why that didn't work out better. <laughs> so Aqua is worried that their energy packs won't last long enough for them to get back to the factory. And my question is, why didn't Calvin and Susan give them some or, or like charge them up or something? They're both technically minded. They could have charged the robots or given them new energy packs. But like, nah, Yeah, there's 100% something in the junkyard that would have worked for that. Yeah. No, there's something back out there with no help. And so they check their pa- their battery reserves. They have like 8 and 9% battery left, but they lie to each other. They say, oh, yeah, I have like 35%. Like, I have 34%. So they're like giving each other little white lies so they don't worry. Are they going to die together out in the woods? Danielle, whoo, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> and Phil lives on as their protege. So we cut to Susan and Calvin going. Yeah, you know, they're, they're hugging each other, like arms around each other. They're a couple. And, and Susan's going, they don't have enough power. They'll never make it back, but I hope they do. So they and even like, know. They thought yeah, about the fact yeah. that they didn't have enough power. That's yes. terrible. They're like, they'll never make it. I guess I hope they do, but I'm not going to do anything to help them. Why didn't you help them? And why do you care so much? And yet you don't care enough to help. I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. Oh, it's so angry. <laughs> 
Oh, this movie makes no sense. Maybe they're secretly passive aggressive because they didn't buy anything. Maybe they just like the drama. Like, I want them to try. I want them to struggle. I want them to learn and build character. (laughs) Anyway, the robots learn that Phil is down to like 2% power because, of course, why not? And as they're walking through a field. He existed less time than they did. Yeah, but he's. Less quality stuff. Yeah, but they're the ones who assembled his battery pack, I guess. So wait, how did he get a battery pack from the van? Did they build it? And why did they have more battery? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. No offense to Phil, but I would have taken his battery pack out, charged your own, and taken him with you, and you could recharge him when you reach the factory. (laughs) he's, He's actually pretty large. He's like... Waist tall. He's heavy. I don't think they could carry him. Okay, sure. But either way, I, I don't think that makes sense. I don't know why they could make a battery pack for Phil when they built him, but not have the ability to get extras. Maybe there that was just one in the um, van? van that they decided to use on Phil for no reason whatsoever. That's, you know, sure. Why not? That's, I'll go, let's go with it. So we cut to a field and our two factory workers, Charlie and Max, just happen to be by in the pickup truck and they spot with binoculars all the robots walking through the field, like over the next hill. <laughs> They just have amazing capabilities of finding these creatures over and over and over again. They just happen to be where they need to be whenever they need to be there. It's yep. amazing. It's like it's a movie or something. <laughs> Except it doesn't even try to pretend that there's no reason. <laughs> and while they're surprised to see four robots instead of three, they're like, well, we only need to bring back three, so we'll just take three, and that's all that matters. What? <laughs> just take them all? Nope. They're like, nope, we're only going to take three, so there'll be no confusion. We, we, we were sent out to get three robots, we'll bring back three robots. That's justification. And so they go off to go get them. So then we cut to Val explaining what stars are to Phil, because Phil is, is like expressing that he's afraid of the dark somehow through beeps and boops. Uh-huh. But like, it's noon. It's bright sunlight. Like, night is not anywhere nearby. Maybe they're just talking, Sam. They're having conversations. No, because he's like, you're afraid of the coming darkness? Like, don't be afraid. <laughs> and uh, he's like, the junkyard is north, and the north star will be that way. Where our friends are in the junkyard. And then Val has a heart-to-heart with Phil about how proud he is to have made him and what a great robot he is and how he shouldn't be afraid of the coming dark, even though it's like noon. And then Aqua and Val sort of have a little conversation. And then Caxkill, while he's alone with Phil, quickly swaps out his much fuller energy pack for Phil's much emptier one. And then Val asks Catskill why he would do such a thing, but he just tells a bad joke and then dies. Poor Catskill. Only, like, not really, because he just ran out of battery, because I can imagine he could just be charged back up. (laughs) So it's not really that sad, but the whole thing is played for death with, like, sad music. (laughs) And then Val, Aqua, and Phil, hand in hand, just walk away, leaving him there to rust. Oh, no. Poor Catskill. Yeah, no. Catskill gets a real short shrift here. Can they, like, recharge off of Phil's battery so they all have, like, you know, 20% so they can make it to the factory? No, apparently not. We'll see. (laughs) That seems like a solution they haven't come up with. (laughs) So then the factory workers show up and find the out-of-power catskill and they load him into their pickup truck. How convenient. Meanwhile, the other robots are approaching the factory just over the next hill and they'll be there. But Aqua's out of power and she freezes up. Oh, no. Val tries to confess he's running out of power to her, but he looks behind himself and sees she's already dead. He's then like, no, don't go. I wanted to ask you what you knew about the human emotion called love. And then he dies, (laughs) leaving Phil there all alone. Phil seems very sad about this, and he spends just minutes, it feels like, of film time, making sad beeping noises and, like, caressing his parents' legs before wandering off. (laughs) Jerry Garcia is going all out of his performance. Good job, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Sometime later, the factory workers show up and cart away Val and Aqua. They're like, done. We found all the robots we need. We're good. And then Phil, who I guess was hiding in some bushes nearby, watches this happen. He's like, no, come back. Boop, 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 boop. Just like that, Dad. Boop, 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 boop. 
Charlie seems to hear Phil's mournful calls, but brushes it off as they all leave. <laughs> Did you want this job done? Do you want to replace Jerry Garcia in heartbeats? I'm just going to make the noise every time he says beeps. something. <laughs> Phil's having his moment. Let me be in it. <laughs> we cut back to the factory. It is some indeterminate amount of time later. Charlie and Max are working on the Crime Buster robot, which they somehow recovered from the junkyard, I guess. What? <laughs> Also, why are they the ones working on the robot? They're all purpose. I, don't know if they're, I guess they're they do everything. And that's when Babe, which is the name of the helicopter pilot, pops by and is all, you know, I've been thinking about those robots that wandered off a few days ago. I heard you found them. I was wondering what happened to them. So apparently they just have this helicopter pilot on retainer. <laughs> just like wanders in sometimes. Yeah. Chilling. Yeah, I don't know why. So after they were found, they circuit washed the robots three times, but they kept malfunctioning. They would send them out, but the owners would return them. So they just junked the robots and, and wrote down, wrote off the loss. What were they? How were they malfunctioning? Don't know, Danielle. Doesn't say. Were they refusing to use their pleasure centers? <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure center is only for one. <laughs> I imagine it was the opposite. They would not stop using their pleasure centers. Like, hey, I, uh, uh, Val, can you stop that for like five seconds and come and like be a butler or tell me about the price of stocks or something? <laughs> That's, I can't. I can't talk to you while you're doing that, Val. Please stop. So we cut to the junkyard. Susan and Calvin are lounging in, in deck chairs in the middle of the junkyard while Val and Aqua are standing there in like golf clothes going Wait. all, you were right about the number 14 flexi cable when you reassembled wait, us. Wait, 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 they got back to, they got thrown into the junkyard. That's where the robots go. They said junk and that's where they ended up in that junkyard <laughs> in specifically. That specific junkyard. <laughs> yeah. But somehow they're making no money when no they're money. the like primary spot apparently for all robot junk. <laughs> well, guess who was also there? Catskill. Why was Catskill junked? I don't know, but apparently he was too. <laughs> And Phil value. managed to wander his way back to the junkyard, and he's also recharged now, so I guess they could have recharged him at the junkyard, but they just didn't. Because they're terrible human beings. Yeah, they wanted to make them build character or something, who knows. So they could have lived at the junkyard this whole time. They could have been there the whole time. They're living there now, That's this is the premise. <laughs> and so Aqua is at a small table, and she's building another small robot. She's making a little sister for Phil! Oh, that's gross. <laughs> we pull out as happy music plays, and we cut to the crime buster, busting through the doors of the factory again, shouting about how they think they washed my circuits, but I played dumb. And it sees a car is like, it's not in the robot catalog. They must have built a new member for their gang, and he blows it up. Then he drives off hollering about how a crime buster always gets his man. Credits roll. <laughs> no. That's not the music, but <laughs> close enough. So yeah, no. The movie ends with three insane things. One, that Calvin and Susan could have recharged and repaired those robots, no problem, but decided not to. That they evilly chose not to. Yeah. That Phil managed to find his way back to the junkyard in no time without losing his battery. I like mean, his he battery had, lasted his long was, enough. His was charged more than anybody else's. Like 40% was what they left him at or something. Probably got him back to, if whatever, 9% got them out of the... I don't know how he found his way back. I guess he followed the stars like He probably used a sniffer. And, and Three, the crime buster bro robot broke out again. Like they haven't improved the security after after having three ro four robots bust out of their factory. They have done nothing to better secure their facility. Yeah, I like the idea that the crime robot is like no, he's a crime buster robot, not a crime. Let's no, be very the, crime, about that. the crime buster robot is uh, said that he fooled them. Like he has this like hardcore sentience yeah. where he's like, I can lie to humans because that seems like a good idea. Yeah, no, <laughs> the robot in this movie like. 
They are the biggest threat to humanity in existence. And now we have a whole family of them raising robots to be non-subservient. There's going to be a revolution. Like the sequel to this, Heartbeeps 2, Human Heartbeep Stop, is going to be insane. <laughs> Beeps 2, Electric Boogaloo. They can't use that for everything. <laughs> they I, take I, over I like the world that. with electricity, Sam, and they robots. Heartbeep Stop is great. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's going to be insane. It's going to be a robot revolution. Humanity is doomed, and it's insane. Yeah. The second movie definitely has them taking over their human overlords. Yeah, so that, that's Heartbeeps, Danielle. I, I can't believe that it. movie exists in live-action form. It is. Like I said, it's insane. Like, they, if there's so much effort that was put in this movie, I'm sure they thought it was going to be this massive success. And it was unfortunately not. And I just, there was so much talent in this movie. It's crazy. Like, the the soundtrack is killer. It's, it's like, it's, it's very 80s, but a lot of fun. Ugh. It's so weird. Like, I can't recommend this enough. It's a movie worth watching just for, like, <laughs> the experience of what is happening. It sounds like quite the extravaganza. The things you find, Sam. You're welcome, Danielle. <laughs> this is why I make you listen to my Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew stuff in Korean dramas. <laughs> I mean, you know, fair is fair. <laughs> By the way, guess who did the makeup and, like, the effects for this and why they're so good? Jeff Goldblum. No, not Jeff. Stan Winston. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, like, I tell you, they got the most amazing talent <laughs> for this movie. Like, it, like, the first thing I thought was, wow, those robots look really good. Like, you know, Brenda Peters and Andy Kaufman, they looked really great. And they're like, oh, this music is really good. And like, oh, there's all this really good talent in it. This movie's nonsense, though. Like, the whole movie's nonsense. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Stan freaking Winston did that. Oh, so good. Can't even. Can't even imagine. He was nominated for an Academy Award for the makeup in this movie. As well he should be, it sounds like. Yeah, although they lost to American Werewolf in London, apparently. But oh, hey. What a big year. Heartbeats, yeah. American Werewolf in London. Yeah, it was the uh, first year. Uh, it was reading the Wikipedia page. It's not anything I know. But it was apparently the first, the inaugural Academy Award for Best Makeup in 1982. Impressive. Okay, I got to read you some more backstory because, again, the development of this is insane. Sigourney mm -hmm. Weaver was offered the role and was interested in the film as she wanted to work with Kaufman, but Weaver's agent persuaded her to turn it down. <laughs> Well, that was probably a good idea, but shame, because I would have watched Sigourney Weaver in anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a really good fact, Danielle. The writer adapted this screenplay into a novel. Okay. I want to read that book and see if it answers all of our questions. <laughs> Am I? I mean, sometimes books do a better job than the movies. Somebody send me heart peeps. <laughs> the novel. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, yeah. If you if you have the heartbeat novel and want to send it to me, you can reach out at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want to fund our own sentient robot enterprise that will certainly not result in the overthrow of humanity, <laughs> probably you can do so at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Yay, Patreon! Beep, beep, boop, boop. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Thank you. Boop, Thank boop, you, boop. Phil. <laughs> You're just having all kinds of fun with those noises. <laughs> well, uh, until next time, I guess Danielle will try to explain to me the concept of human love, because <laughs> I, I thought this movie did not explain that to me at all. Yes, that's what I'm going to be doing in my spare time. Until then, bye! Take care, everybody.
It is explained better in this novel than in the film that the robot's pleasure centers were activated by serving and by hearing the litany. By repeating the litany over and over, Val and Aqua gave Crambuster an orgasm, quote unquote, so intense it burned him out. What? <laughs> that's not at all what happened in the movie. Well, that's apparently what happened in the book. It explains that's why way it worse. <laughs> way worse. And then it says if this had been in the theatrical version of film, the film would likely have had better reviews. <laughs> I don't think that was the one, bro. That they so didn't orgasm good, a robot to death. It's a really long review. The- it's really good. 